That's a clown question, bro. Hi, what's up, Anya? So I'm gonna kick some dirt. He gets on base. Just a bit outside. I'm not the type of player that's gonna be Johnny Hustle. If you don't want me to watch the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean. And welcome back to the show to be named later, part two of episode 74. I'm your host, Chris Gianta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. Daniel, we're talking about the 1991 Minnesota Twins. Yes, we are, Chris. Uh, this is a, this is a very fun team to do. I was not, I didn't know really what I was really expecting because I wasn't as educated on this team. I, of course, know, you know, the results of their season, but I never really knew what went into it. And there was a lot. There was a lot of fun things to cover with this team. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I'm also not very familiar with the team. And obviously you do pretty, you do all the research for the teams. Yeah. So it's kind of going to be a learning experience for myself, just like it was for you uh, in the past week. Mm-hmm. So the twins were not in the best of directions heading into 1991. Uh, they went 74 and 88 in the 1990 season, which was last in the AL West. Mind you, that is a seven team AL West because this was before you know, the Marlins and the Rockies were brought to the league. This is before the Diamondbacks and Rays. There were only 26 teams in the league, so the divisions were kind of sparse like that, and the Twins were in the American League West. So they made a couple uh, signings, particularly in free agency, to up their team. First of all, they signed third baseman uh, Mike Pagliarulo in free agency. They also signed Chili Davis to be their DH, and they also signed a 36-year-old Jack Morris, uh, who they basically they took from the Tigers. Uh, he is a Minnesota native, so this was kind of his lifelong dream to pitch for the Twins, and he got to do it this year. And why not? You know, the team is not really expected to do anything, so might as well just find a way to get fans in the Metrodome. And obviously, you know, despite these acquisitions, the Twins weren't really much, didn't have much expectations. Um, Sports Illustrated and the New York Times were among the websites that didn't even have them sniffing the playoffs. SI had them finishing seventh in the, in the division again. Uh, and it makes sense because, you know, the Oakland A's were in that division. They've gone to the World Series three straight years. They won in 89, like we mentioned last week. And it seemed as though the Twins World Series championship in 1987 was very much a thing of the past. And uh, it very much looked like that at the start of the season. Uh, the Twins seemed to be proving their doubters correct out of the gate uh, with a 2-9 and nine record to start the season, having just suffered a seven-game losing streak and the twins had the worst record in baseball up to that point both their offense and pitching were very subpar and they were already five and a half games out of the division race jack morris lost all of his first three starts and had a 6.38 era but then they were able to recover Uh, after that losing streak ended the twins won seven of their last nine games in the month of April and they were now just two games under 500 and four games away from the division lead and despite early struggles the twins were having fun both on and off of the field uh check out check out this little ditty together to do a music video one thing certain about the Minnesota Twins, win or lose, they're one loose bunch of cool customers. Mm-hmm. 
the uh, the twins doing some uh, promotional work, having some fun with themselves. A loose bunch, uh, based off that. And uh, the name, the the players in that video are Chili Davis, Jack Morris, Scott Erickson, Chuck Knobloch, and Al Newman. Uh, those those are the men featured in that video. And from April 21st to May 7th, a 23-year-old starting pitcher, Scott Erickson, uh, went on a run for the ages. Let's see what he did from April 23rd to March or May 7th. As the World Championship season began for the Twins in 1991, right-hander Scott Erickson was lights out. Scotty had the filthiest sinker that I've ever seen. The ball just absolutely fell like a shot put. And when you caught it, when you played catch with him, the ball hurt because it always hit your hand. Armed with that devastating sinker, got him. Erickson reeled off 12 consecutive wins, highlighted by back-to-back -back shutouts on April 26th and May 1st at the Metrodome. In blanking both Seattle and Boston, the 20-game winner was on a streak of consecutive scoreless innings that would stretch to 30 and a third, tying a club record. Erickson has pitched his second straight shutout. Back-to-back -back shutouts by Scott Erickson, number 89 on the countdown of the Minnesota Twins' top 100 Metrodome moments. So Scott Erickson was looking fantastic. 30 consecutive scoreless innings for for the young man, for the 23-year-old. And on May 23rd, uh, later on, after that streak came to an end, uh, Kirby Puckett uh, went off to make history for the Minnesota Twins. We'll take a look here. In the heat of the 1987 pennant race, Kirby Puckett carried the Twins through a weekend series at County Stadium in Milwaukee, collecting six hits in a Sunday win over the Brewers. Well hit. Way back. Oh, touch them all, Kirby Puckett. What a game. Kirby is the only player in Twins history to record six hits in a game and one of two players in Major League history to do it twice. On May 23rd, 1991, Puckett had five singles and a triple, going six for seven in an extra inning loss to Texas. Kirby Puckett's six-hit game against the Rangers, number 87 on the countdown of the Minnesota Twins' top 100 Metrodome moments. So Kirby Puckett making history, six hits in one game, uh, only twin ever to do it. And at the end, or he's the, yeah, so Puckett, Kirby Puckett, he is one of four players in all, uh, four players all time to record two separate six-hit games. And he is the only person to do that since 1933. Yeah, I don't know what that video was talking about because it said he was one of two players to do it, but on Stathead it said there were four, and Jimmy Fox was one of them. Yeah, shout out to uh, shout out to Double X, and at the Stathead said there. Yeah, so that's that's Stathead's doing. Mm -hmm. um, I might I might trust Stathead a little more. Um, I do too. I will not go against what Stathead says. Yeah, how can you not? And at the end of May, 
Uh, the Twins were 23 and 25 and five and a half games out of the division. And they needed to go on a run. They desperately needed to go on a run uh, if they wanted to be competitive in this 1991 season. So on June 1st, the Twins avenged from a loss the previous day to the Kansas City Royals and won eight to four. So they are now in the win column. On June 2nd, the Twins got to 500 with a 4-1 win. Erickson pitched eight in the third innings, and Rick Aguilera recorded the save. That is their closer. And now on June 3rd, uh, Minnesota native Ken Herbeck hit a two-run homer, and Morris pitched eight innings en route to a 3-2 Twins win. So the Twins were now over 500 in early June. And then on June 4th, Kirby Puckett homered, and Randy Bush hit a walk-off single for the Twins in their fourth consecutive victory. On June 5th, the Orioles hit two home runs in the ninth, but it wasn't enough. The Twins won the game four to three. And now on June 7th, Chili Davis homered to raise his OPS on the season to a 954. Allen Anderson also pitched eight shot at innings and the Twins won two to nothing. On June 8th, Scott Erickson pitched eight and two thirds innings and the Twins won two to one. On June 9th, Shane Mack hit a home run and a double with three RBI. The Twins won 9-2 against the Indians. And on June 10th, the offense tacked on again, and the Twins won 8-5. So now on June 11th, the Twins were going for their 10th straight win. They were facing the Yankees, and it was a 3-1 Yankee lead in the eighth. Mike Pagliarulo, Shane Mack, and Dan Gladden got up to load the bases for rookie Chuck Knobloch. And he walked to make it 3-2. And then Puckett struck out, but then Ken Herbeck hit a two-run single to put Minnesota on top four to three. And then for some added insurance, the Twins got an RBI walk, this time from Gene Larkin. And the Twins ended up winning five to three, and they were winners of 10 straight. On June 12th, the Twins scored five runs in the first, which was capped off by a two-out grand slam by Pedro Munoz. They later won the game six to three. And on June 13th, Chili Davis took over as the Twins were looking to win their 12th straight. He hit two home runs in the game, and the Twins won 10-3. On June 14th, the Twins shut out the Indians in Cleveland to set a new franchise record with their 13th straight win. Jack Morris pitched seven shutout innings, Ken Herbeck homered, and Shane Mack had his second game in the streak with a home run and a double. On June 15th, with the Twins already up 4-1 to in the fifth, they put up a six-run inning uh, thanks to RBIs from Kirby Puckett, Brian Harper, Shane Mack, and Scott Leyes. The Twins ended up winning 11-7. June 16th, this game went into extra innings, and the Twins took the lead on a sack fly by Chili Davis combined with a Brian Harper single. The Twins won 4-2 and had a 15-game win streak. Unfortunately, the Twins would lose the next game on a blown save by Rick Aguilera. But then they also went on a four-game win streak, so they won 19 of 20 games. They finished the month of June with a record of 22-6, and six, and they were now up in the American League West by three games. So they were down by five games at the beginning of the month. They came out of it up by three. During the month of June, Kent Herbeck slashed 359, 414, 551, 965, with a 426 Woba and 162 weighted runs created plus. Chili Davis during the month slashed 253, 345, 596 for a 941 OPS 
a 401 Woba, and 146 weighted runs created plus. Davis was also one of three players in the majors with 10 home runs during the month of June. Kirby Puckett slashed 314, 376, 553, 909 with a 400 Woba and 145 weighted runs created plus. Also on the mound, Scott Erickson went five and one during the month. He also won 12 consecutive decisions between April 21st and June 24th. He had a 218 ERA in the month in 45 and a third innings pitched. And he went at least seven innings pitched in four of his six outings in the month. Keep in mind, he's only 23 and he's doing this. Uh, Kevin Tappany went three and one with a 156 ERA and 40 and a third innings pitched. Also his 0.45 walks per nine led the majors during the month. And Alan Anderson went three and two with a 287 ERA in 37 two thirds innings pitched. Lastly, Jack Morris went six and zero with a 225 ERA in 48 innings pitched in the month of June. He was the only pitcher in the majors with six wins in the month. And the Twins had the only rotation in the majors with less than two walks per nine. They also had the best ERA in the majors with the 278. Uh, also in the bullpen, Rick Aguilera had 10 saves during the month. So the Twins were absolutely firing on, on all cylinders in June. So now they're approaching the all-star break and the twins entered the halfway mark 47 and 36 tied for the division lead at the break with the texas rangers and the twins sent kirby puckett jack morris and rick aguilera to the all-star game uh, puckett at the time heading into the break was batting 315 which was good for 17th in the majors he also had a had an 834 ops jack morris was 11 and 6 with a 365 era Rick Aguilera was tied for fourth in the majors in saves with 22. And Scott Erickson was the biggest snub out of all, out of all the uh, possible snubs in the 1991 all-star game. He was 12 and three with a league leading one, eight, three ERA. And uh, he did not make that all-star team. And with the team clicking on all cylinders, uh, it was time to make another, uh, it was time to make another music video. It had seemed to be working for the twins. Uh, now they're going to do another one. So the twins showing off the moves at the uh, apparently at the all-star break. And uh, so in the all-star game that we are at, at the all-star break, you have the all-star game and Rick Aguilera pitched a 
one and a third innings pitch of scoreless baseball uh, in that All-Star game. So now it's back to work. And after the All-Star break, the Twins won eight out of their first 10, including a four-game sweep of the Red Sox at Fenway. And through that same time period, the Rangers, the team they were tied with in the division, they were three and eight. And all of a sudden, the Twins were up five and a half games in the division. However, the White Sox were also coming on strong. Uh, despite the Twins going six to six and three between July 22nd and July 31st, they lost two and a half games of their division lead uh, because the White Sox had gone nine and one over that span. And it was only a three game lead heading into August. So now we're going to look at one of the more pivotal series during the season. On August 16th, the Twins welcomed the Oakland A's for the Met to the Metrodome for a three-game series. And Minnesota had a one-and-a-half game lead going into that into play there. And the A's went into the ninth inning uh, up four to two, and the Twins were facing Dennis Eckersley. As you can imagine, Oakland's win probability was very high. It was at 92%. I mean, up by two, you have Dennis Eckersley on the mound you should win that game. Chili Davis opened the ninth with a single, and he actually got to third on a two-base error by right fielder Jose Canseco. Brian Harper hit him in with an RBI ground out to make it four to three. Later, after Randy Bush doubled, Mike Pagliarulo hit a game-tying single, and the game would later go into extras. And in the 12th, Ken Herbeck hit a walk-off single. So a big comeback win for the A's uh, in game one of the series. And now on August 17th, the A's jumped out to an early 3-0 lead against Jack Morris. But the Twins proceeded to get six hits with runners in scoring position, and they won the game 12-4, so another comeback victory. And on August 28th, or I'm sorry, on August 18th, the A's were up 3-0 again in the third inning. Uh, and the Twins chipped away with a Chuck Knobloch RBI double to make it 3-1. And in the eighth, with Oakland leading 4-3, Brian Harper hit an RBI triple, which was only the sixth triple of his career. And by the way, he debuted in 1979, so he's been around. And now it's a tie game. Later on, Shane Mack hit the go-ahead single, and Gene Larkin provided insurance with an RBI ground out. And the Twins swept the A's and made a statement that they were running this division. And with the, with the Twins in the pennant race, uh, you know what time it was. This team is hot. They're coming on strong. Got Kelly at the wheel and they can't go wrong. Looking straight ahead on the right track. The road's getting shorter and there ain't no turning back because it's dry time. Nine to one. Cheer for Minnesota because the race is on. Dry time has become the twins are off and running in 1991. That song is going to be stuck in my head and all of your heads for the rest of time. It might be tough to remember those lyrics, but you're just going to be thinking drive time, 91, stuff like that. So uh, yeah, the twins, I mean, amazing promo there. And uh, I mean, if that doesn't get you hyped for this team, I don't know what does. 
On September 29th, the Twins had a magic number for the division of just one. Although they lost to the Blue Jays, the White Sox also lost, and therefore the Twins were American League West champions. And the Twins never lost the division lead after they got it on June 16th during that run uh, in their streak. So now we're going to look at the, the Minnesota Nice during the season. Kirby Puckett slash 319, 352, 460 for an 812 OPS during the season. He had 15 home runs, 11 stolen bases, and 31 walks. He also finished seventh in the MVP voting. Chili Davis, one of the big acquisitions for them in the offseason. He slashed 277, 385, 507, 892 with 29 home runs and also 95 walks. And he was 14th in the MVP voting. Jack Morris won 18 and 12 with a 343 ERA in 246 and two-thirds innings pitched and 10 complete games. Uh, no one else has since had 10 complete games in an age 36 season or old, older. Jack Morris is the most recent person to do it. And it's hard to imagine that anyone else is going to do it anytime soon. Jack Morris finished fourth in the Cy Young voting and 13th in the MVP vote. Scott Erickson, he took, he took, he was the heartthrob of Minnesota. Uh, really good looking dude. Also really good on the mound. 20 and eight with a 318 ERA in the season and 204 innings pitched in his age 23 season. Second in Cy Young voting, 17th in MVP voting. Also, Rick Aguilera, fourth in the majors in saves with 42. He had a 235 ERA and a 107 whip. He finished 18th in the MVP vote. Also, Kevin Tappany, 16 and nine with a 299 ERA in 244 innings pitch. That earned him seventh in the Cy Young vote. Also, Chuck Knobloch, 281, 351, 350, 701, 50 RBIs and 25 stolen bases. He was the winner of the American League Rookie of the Year. And also their manager, Tom Kelly, was the American League Manager of the Year winner. So the Twins, a lot of, lot of awards being given out uh, at the end of the regular season, but now it's time to win some in the postseason. So now, as you heard, American League West champions, they are going to be facing the American League East champion, uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Back-to-back episodes, we're talking about an ALCS with our team going against the Blue Jays. Uh, in game one of the American League Championship Series, uh, in the first inning, the Twins had men on second and third with two out as Chili Davis was up to bat looking to get those ducks out of the pond. Open and Brian Harper, who's a good hitter on deck for the Twins. Off the fist and a base hit to left field. Two runs will score, and the Twins lead it 2 to nothing on Chili Davis's base hit. So, the, so Chili Davis able to drive those runners in and give them the lead. And... In the second inning with the Twins threatening again, Greg Gagne uh, looked to tack, looked to tack onto the lead. And a base hit to center field by Gagne, and it's three to nothing, Minnesota.
So the Minnesota faithful, very, very into this, a sold out crowd in that indoor stadium uh, with Greg Gagne getting an RBI single. And after Dan Gladden singled, Chuck Knobloch was up to tack on even more uh, insurance runs for the Minnesota Twins. This dire straits, and there's a ground ball, base hit to right field. One run comes in to throw to third, and out at third base is Dan Gladden. Scoring is Craig Gagne. It is now a four-to-nothing game as Joe Carter with his first assist of this series. Again, the so it's an absolute hit parade for the Minnesota Twins. It is now, as you heard, four to nothing. The Twins would continue to score in the third inning, the following inning, uh, when Shane Mack came up to the plate looking to add more insurance runs. Who was up earlier, throwing in the Blue Jays' bullpen. 2-1 pitch and a line drive to right. Carter, who is playing it, and it goes over his head. Scoring easily is Davis, and in its second base is Shane Mack. As the ball comes through. So more hits, more effective hitting with runners in scoring position. And the Blue Jays, uh, the Blue Jays did score some runs later, but it was not enough. They came close, but the Twins ended up winning Game One of the 1991 ALCS by the score of five to four. Then in Game Two of the series, uh, Kevin Tapani struggled, uh, allowing four runs over six and a third innings pitched, and the Twins could only score two against the opposing pitcher Juan Guzman and the Blue Jays ended up taking that game five to two. So now it was on to Toronto, north of the border. So in game three, the Blue Jays scored two in the first inning on a Joe Carter home run and candy and a Candy Maldonado double. And in the fifth inning, Kent Herbeck chipped away on an RBI fielder's choice. In the sixth inning, Chuck Knobloch hit a double as the tying run, which set up Kirby Puckett to give the Minnesota Twins the edge. Puckett who doubled into the right center field gap in the fourth inning with two outs. And he slashes a line drive to right field, fielded by Carter. They're going to wave Knobloch in. The throw is cut off. The play at the plate and safe at home. Olerud had cut it off and then threw to Borders, but Knobloch slid in safely anyway. And the game is tied at 2-2 as Kirby Puckett has driven in his second run of the series. So Kirby Puckett delivers once again, giving the Twins the lead. And after David West, Carl Willis, and Mark Guthrie locked it down for the Twins out of the bullpen, the game went into extras. And... Uh, yeah, my bad. I, I guess the yeah Kirby Puckett drove in the tying run, not the uh, game, not the go-ahead run. And in the eleventh inning, 
Mike, uh, Paul, Mike Pagliarulo came up looking to be the hero. Plays Gagne will have Harper behind the plate, and Pags will go into play third. Line drive deep to right field, going back is Ducey. It's gone, a home run for Mike Pagliarulo, and the Twins lead it three to two. season and Mike Timlin has given up a home run to pitch hitter Mike Pagliarulo and the Minnesota fans exult. So Mike Pagliarulo, Pagliarulo. delivers. So it's a Next silent year. G. It's tough. Yeah. Oh, it's a, a silent G. It's, yeah, it's, it looks like it just, it looks like it says Pagliarulo, but it's Pagliarulo. Like Pagliarulo. just a G and it's perfect. Yeah, Mike Pagliarulo, uh, the Italian stallion, gets the job done for the Twins. Uh, he hit the go-ahead. Uh, he hit the go-ahead home run, and in the bottom of the eleventh, Rick Aguilera locked down the save, as he did usually in the regular season, and the Twins won three to two, uh, giving them the series lead. And then in Game Four, the Blue Jays jumped out to an early one to nothing lead, and in the top of the fourth, leading off the inning, uh, Kirby Puckett was looking to tie the game. Very well. My ball hit deep to center field. Devon White is looking up, and this one is gone for a home run by Kirby Puckett. You knew sooner or later, Kirby was going to hit one deep. And that ties the game at 1-1. Began to make an adjustment. So, Kirby Puckett ties it on a home run. Finally delivers with his power. And the Twins later got another run in the inning on a Pagliarulo single. Two batters later... Dan Gladden was looking to provide insurance to this two to one lead. For the third time, he struck out and flied out. And a broken bat looper, base hit to right field over Olaruth's glove. Two runs will score. Gagne goes to third, and the Minnesota Twins have scored four times here in the fourth inning against Todd Stottlemyre. So the Twins were now up 4-1, to one, scoring four in the fourth in game four. And the Twins continued to tack on later in the, later in the game on RBIs from Pauly Arulo, Gladden, Harper, Puckett, and Mack. And the Twins would end up winning the game 9-3, to three, one game away, one win away from clinching the series. And the Blue Jays... You know, we're playing like a team that had their backs against the wall in game five. The Blue Jays had a five to two lead uh, heading into the sixth inning. And after Gladden drove in a drove in a run on a fielder's choice, Chuck Knobloch came up looking to tie the game.
Twins closer. Line drive down the right field line. One run will score. Could be extra bases. And Maldonado has problems in the right field corner. They're going to wave home Gladden. The throw comes into the infield, and the Twins have tied the game at 5-5. to amaze with his boys play in the field and a big two-run single has tied the score. He ends up so the Twins come back to tie the game 5-5 five to five on a Chuck Knobloch extra base hit. And in the eighth inning, the game was still tied. The Twins bullpen was able to uh, remain locking it down as well as the Blue Jays bullpen after that moment. And after Gladden hit a two out single, he stole second and Knobloch walked. And this would bring up the twins, one of the twins, better players, Kirby Puckett with first and second to try and score. to right field and they're going to wave the runner home here comes the throw it's high and scoring is Dan Gladden and the Minnesota Twins have taken a six to five lead here in the eighth inning Kirby Puckett delivers again runners move up on the throw Puckett goes to second and Knobloch to third so Kirby Puckett breaks the tie, making it a 6-5 to five game. And the next batter following Kirby Puckett was Kent Herbeck, looking to, looking to add uh, in his own way. Knobloch is at third, Puckett is at second base. Line drive, and that's going to drop for a base hit. Mookie Wilson to retrieve, but the Minnesota Twins to the World Series as Knobloch and Puckett score and Ken Herbeck drives in two runs and it's an 8-5 to five ball game. Sooner or later you knew those two would deliver Puckett and Herbeck and they have. So Kurt, Kent Herbeck adds that much needed insurance to make it an 8-5 to five game and something something I'm noticing as a, as a little sidetrack is the Twins, maybe as part part of identity of their team, they're really just stringing together hits and a lot of opposite field hits, not yeah. being flashy at all, just a lot of opposite field hits with runners in scoring position, uh, doing what you have to do to win, and I think that's kind of the identi identity of this team. So the Twins now had a three-run lead with six outs to go, and in the ninth inning, uh, Rick Aguilera was in to close close this one out to try and win the American League pennant. Fly ball to left field. Dan Gladden is going back on the track. He makes the catch. And the Minnesota Twins have gone from the cellar to the penthouse in the American League.
toughest division in baseball, beating three-time defending champion Oakland. Twins have their third pennant in history. Congratulations to the 1991 American League champions. So the Twins are headed to the World Series after winning the American League pennant. And the stars of the series, it starts out, you have to mention Kirby Puckett. He won American League Championship Series MVP. He slashed 429, 435, 762 for an 1197 OPS in those five games, along with two home runs and six RBI. Another star of the series is Mike Pagliarulo. Slashing 333, 333, 600 for a 933 OPS along with that home run. Chuck Knobloch, uh, he hit 350 with an 885 OPS with three walks and three RBI. Shane Mack hit 333 with an 881 OPS with uh, three RBI to go with that. Uh, Chili Davis, he slashed 294, 455, 412 for an 866 OPS and had five walks, and the bullpen were the real stars of the series. They gave up zero earned runs during the entirety of the American League Championship Series. I'm going to be honest. My, my strategy for writing that ALCS script was just to make you say Pally Rolo as much times as possible. <laughs> good good work. I, I'm, I'm starting to get the hang of it. Yeah, no, it's just silent G. That's all you got to remember. Pally Rolo. Yeah. There, there are a lot of vowels. Yes. So... The Twins are in the World Series. They are facing the up-and-coming Atlanta Braves. And in game one in the Metrodome, it was a scoreless game in the third. After Dan Gladden walked with two outs, he stole second and put a runner in scoring position for Chuck Knobloch. He's in the dugout. We ran ahead on the count. Knobloch gets a hit. They've got to play at the plate. one nothing Minnesota. And Knobloch is tanged out. He gets his second hit. He drives in the first run. And then he is cut down, but after three, the Twins have broken on top. One to nothing. So the Twins have an early one nothing lead. And later in the fifth, Ken Herbeck led off with a double, followed by Scott Leis hitting a single to get to third. And this brought up Greg Gagne. Pretty well hit. This ball is going to go. So it is a 4-0 Twins lead on the Greg Gagne three-run home run. And now in the sixth, the Braves chipped away with run, run, one run scored. But then the Twins came back up the next half inning with Ken Herbeck looking to get that one back. Did he hit it good enough? He certainly did.
Kent Herbeck hits a home run, and the, the Twins go on to win that game 5-2. to two. So they were up one nothing in the series with a, with a pretty big first game. So now in game two, it was still the first inning, and Chili Davis came up with a runner on second with two outs and the time, trying to give the Twins another early lead. Chili Davis launches one. Two to nothing, Minnesota. nothing twins lead early in this one and the Braves got one in the second to make it a two to one game in the third Ron Gant came up for the Braves with a tying run on first and two outs Smith is going and a hit to left by Gant and Lonnie's trying they're going to get him perhaps he's safe and now Gant gets back to first and he's out I don't know, Jack. It looked like Herbeck pulled him off the bag. I think the Braves have a legitimate complaint right here. Ken Herbeck makes the tag and watch the momentum of Herbeck pull Gann off the bag. He pulls him off the bag. I think that's a bad call right there. I'll throw in with you on that. So, a bit of a controversial play there, no doubt. However, uh, for whatever it's worth, the leadoff man for the Braves in the next inning lined out. Uh, so it's likely that nothing would have come of that anyway. But still, nonetheless, uh, Twins get out of the inning in, uh, in a bit of a controversial way. The Braves did later tie the game in the fifth on a sack fly by Rafael Belliard, however. In the eighth, still tied, Scott Leyes came up looking to give Minnesota back the lead. Tied 2-2, and the batter is Scott Liss, and he corks one in the left field. Back at the track is Hunter, and it's gone! So the Twins have a 3-2 lead on the Scott Leyes homer, and Minnesota would go on to win by that score. It is 2-0 going into Atlanta. A big, big two games for the Minnesota Twins. So now we're in game three. Den Gladden led off the game with a triple, which allowed for Knobloch to hit him in on a sack fly. So another early 1-0 Twins lead. The Braves tied it in the second on a Belliard single, and David Justice led off the fourth, with a home run to give Atlanta a two-run lead, a two-one lead. And the Braves got two more in the fifth on a Lonnie Smith home run and a Greg Olson walk. So it was four to one Atlanta. In the seventh, Kirby Puckett let off trying to chip away for Minnesota. Hit by Puckett, and that one's carrying a long way. And Mitchell can't do anything about that one. And then makes it four to two as Puckett gets his first hit of this World Series. 
Twins fans have an opportunity to root here in the seventh inning. So Kirby Puckett makes it four to two with a home run. And now in the eighth, catcher Brian Harper let off the inning by reaching on an error, which brought up Chili Davis as the tying run. In the left field, Mitchell back. How far is this going? We are tied. We are tied on a pinch home run by Chili Davis. An error and a home run and a 4-4 game. And no win for Steve Avery tonight. So it is a tie game, 4-4 four to four in the eighth. The Twins have come all the way back from 4-1. And this game would become a bullpen uh, duel deep into extra innings. And in the bottom of the 12th, Mark Lemke came up for the Braves with 2-1 and 2 out trying to win it. Lemke hits it into left field. Here comes Justice! So, the Braves win game three. It is a 2-1 series. Twins are still leading, but, you know, the Braves have the momentum now. In game four, Mike Pagliarulo gave the Twins another early lead in the second with an RBI single. But it would later be tied in the third on a Terry Pendleton home run. In the bottom of the fifth, the Braves had the go-ahead run on second with no one out, and Pendleton looked to drive in Lonnie Smith. His body. Pendleton drills one to deep center. Lonnie Smith is going to head for third. Nobody out. They're sending him home. A late throw by Knobloch. And out! Harper held the ball. Pendleton ends up at third. What excitement on that one. And I'm surprised they sent him with nobody out. That was a terrible base running play by Lonnie Smith. You don't tag up on a ball hit deep over the outfielder's head. You go a third of the way. We talked about it in last night's game. So an incredible job by Brian Harper there to hold on to that baseball, even though he got trucked by Lonnie Smith. So with the game still tied in the seventh inning, Mike Pagliarulo, who drove in the previous run, looked to untie it. Comes at these Braves, but... Atlanta won it 5-4 and 12. Pagliarulo lost one into right field. That ball might leave the ballpark. It's going to be gone. Pagliarulo's third hit of the night puts the Twins on top 2-1. Well, they got that big home run against Toronto, and he scores against Atlanta. And that probably will keep Jack Morris in the game. No, it is two to one Minnesota, but the game would be retied in the eighth on a Lonnie Smith home run. So now it's two to two in the ninth. 
Mark Lemke hit a one-out triple, putting the, t- putting the winning run 90 feet away. And after Jeff Blauser was intentionally walked, Jerry Willard was brought up to try and give the Braves a con- second straight walk-off win. now a tied series after a walk-off sack fly for the Braves. By the way, Shane Mack made that way closer than it could have been. I mean, the call from the from the announcer literally said that's going to be a winner for Atlanta. They almost got him at home. Uh, but nonetheless, it is a 2-2 two to two series now. So game five was an absolute bloodbath as Twins pitching struggled on all fronts. The Braves scored 14 runs on home runs by Lonnie Smith, David Justice, and Brian Hunter. They also hit three triples, and two of them were from Mark Lemke. The Braves won 14 to 5, and the Twins were now facing elimination going back into the Metrodome. So now we're in game six. The Twins are down to their last game, and Chuck Knobloch hit a single in the first inning, bringing up Kirby Puckett. That's fair. He's going to score. Puckett for third. So it is a 1-0 Twins lead on a Kirby Puckett triple. And two batters later, Shane, ba- Shane Mack, who was 0 for 15 in the series, tried to make it a 2-0 game with Puckett at third. That the players try to, try to do, you try as much as you can to make it a regular season game. But because of its importance, you can't trick your mind that much. There's a hit, 2-0 Minnesota. His first hit of the series, and a big one. The Twins take a 2-0 lead. Well, he picked up. So, it is now 2-0 Minnesota. Mack is on the board in the series. Now in the third, Ron Gant came up with a runner on first, trying to tie the game for Atlanta. For his first series, home run. He corks it to left center and chased by Puckett. He caught it. 
Kirby Puckett robs Ron Gant of the game-tying home run and also makes an incredible throw to almost gun down the runner for a double play. The game stayed 2-0 for a while as Scott Erickson was dealing. In the fifth, Terry Pendleton hit a two-run home run that would eventually tie it. The Twins would retake the lead on a Kirby Puckett sack fly. And after Erickson, Erickson exited the game, uh, he, he had previously allowed a leadoff single in the seventh. And the inherited runner would go on to score, which would tie the game. And this one would go into extra innings. Mark Guthrie, Carl Willis, and Rick Aguilera came out of the bullpen for the Braves without allowing an earned run. In the 11th, Kirby Puckett came up after doing seemingly everything in the game, looking to top off his night in the best of ways and keep Minnesota alive for a game seven. Into deep left center from Mitchell. And we'll see you tomorrow night. Kirby Puckett hits a walk-off home run for the Twins and forces a do-or-die Game 7 for the Minnesota Twins. So the next night, we are in Game 7, and it starts in a what I think is sort of an, it's a subtly intense uh, kind of way. And we're ready for this one to start unwinding. Smith will be first up. Feel like we've died and gone to seven. That's what we've done. Boy, that's exciting for everyone involved. Lonnie Smith with a handshake to the catcher, Brian Harper, a former teammate of his. So, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, you see the handshake with Lonnie Smith and Brian Harper, former teammates, but also... Lonnie Smith is the one who trucked Brian Harper in game four. And I feel like that's kind of the way of saying like, hey, you know what happened happened, but now we're in game seven. This is real. So each of the first three half innings of the game went one, two, three. In the bottom of the second, the Twins hit back-to-back two-out singles from Harper and Shane Mack, but they couldn't come through. Stayed scoreless. In the top of the third, the Braves also had two on and two out, but Ron Gant ended the inning with a ground out. In the bottom of the third and the top of the fourth, each team had a two-out double but could not drive them in. Through four innings, no one could get anything going against Jack Morris or John Smoltz. In the top of the fifth, the Braves had two on with one out, but Terry Pendleton struck out and Ron Gant grounded out. So now it's the eighth inning, still 0-0. Lonnie Smith hit a single to lead off the inning, and this brought up Terry Pendleton. Pendleton into left center field. That ball is down and a bad well, It's off the wall. Lonnie Smith is held up at third, and he didn't do very good base running. That was terrible by Lonnie. He didn't pick the ball up. He stopped when he rounded second base. He may have gone for the decoy around second. Lonnie Smith 
sees the ball in the gap, and look, he looked at Knobloch. You see Gagne and Knobloch combining for the decoy. Smith clearly could have scored on the ball had he been running all the way. As it was, the decoy of Knobloch and Gagne held Smith at third base. So despite the mistake being made there, the Braves still had men on second and third with no one out. Ron Gann grounded out to first, not bringing in a run, and then David Justice was intentionally walked. So it was Sid Bream with the, with the bases loaded and one out in the eighth inning, trying to give Atlanta the go-ahead runs that would win them the World Series. Third instead of on the bench. Pendleton had doubled as its second. They walk Justice. And it's one ball, two strikes to Sid Green. One out. And the play is to Hull. Out there. Out there. So the Twins get out of the jam that seemingly was impossible for them to get out of, and it remains a scoreless game. So now we move to the bottom of the eighth. Randy Bush led off the inning with a single. Dan Gladden then popped out. The next batter was Knobloch, who hit a single that moved Al Newman to third. Uh, Al Newman pinch hit for Bush, by the way. So the Twins now had men on the corners with one out. With Kirby Puckett up, the Braves decided to intentionally walk him, which was Probably a smart move, but now they had to face Ken Her Herbeck, who was a Minnesota native who had the go-ahead run on third. The bases were loaded with one out in the bottom of the eighth for his hometown team in game seven. John Sherholtz, the general manager of the Braves, sweating out his pitcher Stanton, and Herbeck can look for something to swing at here. into the ninth inning scoreless so the Braves catch a break Stanton catches a break and Herbeck failed to bring him home jammed on the pitch and Limpke is there and he steps on second an unassisted double play unbelievable so we are now going into the ninth with a scoreless game no one could buy a run and this game is as dramatic as ever the Braves went one, two, three in the top of the ninth, bottom nine. The Twins could walk it off this inning, and they led off the inning with back-to-back -back singles from Chili Davis and Brian Harper. But Shane Mack then grounded into a double play to make it a man on third with two out. After Mike Pagliarulo was intentionally walked, Paul Sorrento, who pinch hit for Al Newman, struck out. This game was now in extras, and there's one reason on the Twins' side of things that we're still here, and it is Jack Morris. Pitched the first game of the American League Championship Series, and he pitched the first game of the World Series. He won all four of those games. And he is 6-1 in postseason play during his career.
Gets him out. Still a hold against him, and they might try a pickoff play. Runner going. Strike. He gets his eighth strikeout. To have maintained the velocity on his fastball through nine and two-thirds innings. A lot of superlatives for that guy. So Jack Morris pitches the game of his life in game seven. His final line, 10 innings pitched, which will never happen again, by the way. Seven hits, no runs, two walks, and eight strikeouts. Uh, this is always what – this game is what Jack Morris is remembered for. Um the Twins kind of stole his legacy away from the Tigers, even though he was there for 10 years. He was with Minnesota for just this year. And when you think Jack Morris, you always think of this game first because 10 innings pitch, that's something we're probably never going to see again, Chris. Yeah, especially in the playoffs where, you know, guys are expected to face like 18 batters and yeah. uh, you, you don't really go beyond that. And, you know, especially in the era of pitch counts, it's just – Definitely not in the playoffs. Higher velocity, higher strikeout rates lead to more pitches being thrown per at bat. Like it makes sense. Yeah, I think it's fair to say, yeah, we'll never see it again in the playoffs. And if it's a regular season game, it'll be like some no hitter that's Chris a zero zero game. Still when he had his perfect game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But in the postseason, probably not. So now we're in the bottom of the tenth. And Dan Gladden was leading off trying to look, trying to start the World Series winning rally for the twins. We're piling up some records, and here we are, scoreless in the bottom of the tenth with Gladden, the batter against Payne. Broken bat, fly ball is going to drop. He's trying. Save. in the 1954 World Series, if Dan Gladden scores the winning run, you might hear about the bat that broke. Dan Gladden with some amazing hustle there to get the second. That was a huge risk to go there, but it paid off. So now that he's there, Chuck Knobloch lays down a sack bunt, moving Gladden to third with one out. The next batter was Kirby Puckett, and as you can imagine, he was obviously intentionally walked. I wouldn't have wanted to face him either. However, they also intentionally walked Ken Herbeck to load the bases, which makes sense because, you know, the runners on second and third, or the runners on first and second, they don't mean anything. They're probably not scoring unless something happens on the base paths. So you want to have a force at every base. But there's bases loaded, no one out. The World Series winning run is 90 feet away. And the batter is pinch hitter Gene Larkin, a guy who had only 291 plate appearances for the Twins in the regular season. And he was looking for the biggest hit in Minnesota Twins history. 
Minnesota bench hoping to get this winning run across here in the tenth. It's carried by and Gladden the third. Base it loaded, one out. Infielders are sort of halfway at second and short. Pena in a jam. The Twins are going to win the World Series. The Twins have won it. It's a base hit. It's a one-nothing, ten-inning victory. For the second time in five years, the Minnesota Twins have won the World Series. Gene Larkin has placed himself in Minnesota Twins history, and the Twins go from worst to first from 1990 to 1991. An unbelievable turn of events. And now looking at it, they were hard fought in one of the greatest World Series of all time. Yeah. Four, four walk-offs in seven games. Jack Morris obviously won World Series MVP. He went 2-0 with 23 innings pitched, a 1-1-7 ERA, that's three earned runs, and 15 strikeouts. Scott Leyes in the series went 5-14 with a 9-71 OPS. Kirby Puckett in the World Series, 250, 3-67, 5-83, 9-50, with four RBI and five walks. Throughout the postseason, he went 3-33, 3-96, 6-66, 7-10-63 with four home runs and 10 RBI. Brian Harper in the World Series, 381, 435, 476, point, or 911 OPS, one RBI and two walks. By the way, no relation to Bryce Harper. Mike Pelliarulo, 273, 333, 545, 879. Chili Davis, 222, 300, 566, 856 with four RBI and two walks. Out of the bullpen, Rick Aguilera had a 180 ERA in five innings pitched, and Mark Guthrie had a 225 ERA in four innings pitched. So for the legacy of the 1991 Twins, they proved all their doubters wrong, and in the best of ways. You know, Chris, when we go over these teams that have low expectations at the beginning of the season, in most cases, they'll, they'll make the playoffs, win the division, but then kind of get snuffed out before the World Series even starts. This team went all the way when they were not supposed to be in the picture at all. Yeah. And it's hard to, uh, to relate them to like anyone in recent history, mm -hmm. a team like that 2013 Red Sox. Yeah. 2013 Red Sox, I guess, but the closest, but even then it's not, even then I feel like some of some people might've had them in the playoffs based off of like 2011, but yeah, the 91 twins, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty pretty crazy that they were able to do this. You know, they were led by, you know, veteran leadership like Kirby Puckett and Jack Morris. But, you know, other than that, it was a lot of, you know, you know, players. You know, a lot of just like you know, role players, guys that really worked out for the teams. You know, were able to string together hits. Not a very powerful bunch, but were able to score runs whenever they needed to. Uh, you know, a very, a very likable team as well. They were. 
And they were a fun team. I mean, like, you know, you look at their on-field stuff, obviously, like you mentioned, like they're just good at string together hits, but also like all those music videos they made, like they were just a fun group of guys who genuinely enjoyed being around each other, whether it was on or off the field. Yeah. Uh, very true. It was established at the beginning of the season. And like, mm-hmm. how often do you have like a, a team that came off a last place season and, and is doing, you know, music videos like that? Yeah. Um, and, uh, they played in one of the greatest World Series of all time. You know, four walk-offs. Uh, five of the seven games were determined by one run. You know, there was also a go-ahead home run in the eighth. Obviously, it wasn't a walk-off, but just as dramatic. And uh, also, in game seven, uh, both teams combined to go two for 17 with runners in scoring position. Uh, a type of game you don't see very often, but so dramatic and crazy to watch. Yeah, definitely an ed- you know, edge of the seat, um, edge of the seat type television in that, uh, in that, in that game. And yeah, like four walk-offs in a, in a series is, is pretty wild. I don't know if that had ever been done before or ever will be uh, I done. I mean, the 01 World Series had three. Yeah, they came close, but not, not quite four. It pretty wild. And the, and the twins were, the beneficiary of two and they they lost two and you know they were able to you know good on them for recovering after dropping three on the road yeah i don't know how you feel about this chris but i always kind of feel like between between 1991 1997 and 2001 and 1993 you know those are all world series that ended on walk-offs i feel like 91 is the most forgotten of those four yeah i i guess they're you know the bravado of it isn't there because it's mostly known for um the what happened before the uh walk-off yeah and i mean the fact that like you know for the diamondbacks it was luis gonzalez the guy with 50 home runs that year for the blue jays it was you know it was joe carter for the marlins it was edgar renteria all like you know staples on that team gene larkin is a guy who came off the bench a lot and he did what he you know was supposed to do he you know he came in in a situation where they needed him and he got the biggest hit in his life and probably the biggest hit in Minnesota Twins history. Yeah, and I guess that's kind of the theme of the of the Twins season. It was, a, it was a lot of guys doing their job, not having to overextend for the team, but guys guys just doing their job. And it, that, that's what it looked like they were doing throughout the, the playoffs and, and probably the season as well. So that's going to do it for the 1991 Minnesota Twins. I had a pleasure covering this team. And uh, now it is time for our favorite time of the week. Yeah, uh, we are going to be picking our player and team for the next week. Um, be, the you know the basis of all this is uh, we started to history based uh, once we knew that baseball wasn't going to be happening from you know March to about late July um, in in 2020. So uh, I picked 30 players to talk about. Daniel picked 30 teams to talk about, one from each franchise, you know, like the 1991 Minnesota Twins. It's a team in one of their better seasons in recent history. And uh, I kind of went different eras, you know, a lot of, a, lot of a, a variety of players, um, position player or position team, era uh just kind of a a uh you know eclectic mix 
So uh, through computer randomization, we assign each player a random number uh, and assign each team a random number. So this week, I believe, so last week I picked first. This yeah. week, you're going to be picking first. What player are we going to be talking about uh, next week? Is eight available? Eight is available. We're going with number eight. Yeah. Um, going with the theme of the past two weeks, it's a guy uh, who excelled in the 20s and 30s. And funnily enough, you know, I, with the Rogers Hornsby, how about that's, you know, there were plenty of how about that's, but, you know, this guy really, this guy blocked a lot of those. How oh, about that's okay. this guy would have, you know, similar seasons to Rogers Hornsby. And uh, he kind of played second fiddle to Babe Ruth. He was the first man to have his number retired. We are talking about the Iron Man, Lou Gehrig, next episode. Yeah. Number four. Um, yeah, the, the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Yes, one of the, one of the more famous men in baseball history and uh, probably my favorite Yankee of all time. Yeah. The, the most the most likable Yankee ever. So we're going to be talking about him uh, riding along with the uh, with the 20s and 30s. Just can't get out of that era. You, we can't. We didn't have any uh, in the first half. I'm just waiting for you to pick a pre-strike team now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, exactly, because we had uh, the 91 Twins and the 89 Athletics. So now I will be picking... The team, um, ah, what team are we going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about team number 14. Ooh, number 14. Okay, I, throughout the entire process of history, I've been going back and forth on which iteration of this team to, to do. And I decided literally like a couple weeks ago, I'm going to go with this one. This team had an MVP on their team. They won a tiebreaker for their division and they prove their doubters wrong by going farther than everyone thought. We are going to be talking about the 2018 Milwaukee Brewers. Wow. The 2018 Milwaukee Brewers should First be a, uh... Ryan Braun, uh, Orlando Arcia, who was big in the playoffs for them. Jolie Shashin on the mound, Josh Hader. Yeah. So yeah, the, the Brewers, 2018 Brewers, very good story. They were uh, they were a team that really heated up in September. They caught the Cubs. Uh, we'll get into a more detailed version of that story next week. Looking forward to it. So uh, we hope you enjoyed. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. First of all, we would like to thank um, Baseball Reference, Fangraphs, uh, Stathead, and MLB on YouTube for uh, making this episode possible. Without those websites and, and uh, resources, uh, none of this would be possible. So shout out to them. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, want to watch the videos with us, there are plenty to watch with us. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel and watch the videos with us. Uh, that YouTube channel is called STBNL with Christianta and Daniel Kern. And if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran. And if you want to follow the show Instagram, it is at STBNL podcast. 
on Instagram. We hope you enjoyed our 1991 Twins part of the episode, and we hope to see you on Tuesday. We're, we're going to be breaking down the MLB news and making a Hall of Fame make, making a Hall of Fame case for and against another guy on the bubble. And we hope to see you on Thursday, where we're going to be talking about Lou Gehrig, and Friday, where we're going to be talking about the 2018 Milwaukee Brewers. See you then.